Hello and welcome to the Courage to Be podcast, where we explore how to raise your game, lean into discomfort and have more impact and purpose. I am your host, Sinead Millard. Hello everyone, welcome to today's episode where I get to speak to fellow coach, friend and ex-colleague Rebecca Morley. Rebecca is an award-winning executive coach and mentor who today works with senior leaders and business owners. I first met Rebecca back in 2010 when we first started to work together in Rekabeng Kieser. At the time, um, Rebecca was the director of supply for the Irish business. She was the only female to sit on the leadership team. And it's fair to say that I think Rebecca, for me, was a standout character from the get-go. She brought this energy, um, this almost capacity to challenge the status quo, to speak up into corporate, which I found incredibly refreshing. Um, it's very exciting to share this interview with you because I guess I got to learn a little bit more about Rebecca's journey and her transition from corporate into coaching. For me, this is a story of courage to leave a very safe and successful corporate career, to take the time to step back, to redefine what success looks like in this new phase. And of course, to have the stamina, the grit and the resilience to stick through the harder moments and to move through those periods of resistance that come with launching any new business. Well, Rebecca, you were very welcome. Hi, nice to be here. Yeah, so it's strange actually to be sitting around a boardroom table with Rebecca um, in a very different context. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I thought about that as, as I was walking here today and obviously before I interview guests I prepare and do some research. And sometimes that's a little bit strange when you know someone personally. It's that fine. I was like, okay, I still need to do my research because mm. um, there's a lot. I, I'm excited and curious about what will come out of today's interview. Um, I enjoy our conversations thoroughly, and I think that there's a lot the audience can benefit from, given the fact that obviously you're a fellow coach, mm. but your background in corporate. Um, and maybe we'll start with. So when I called you last week, um, because you came up in conversation, who would be somebody very interesting to speak to as it relates to the courage to be. You're straight talking. <laughs> um, I, I definitely don't think you're afraid to challenge the status quo. No. Um, both my experience with you in corporate and as a coach. Um, and you did say to me on the phone that it was interesting timing. Mm. Um, can you maybe talk us through what you meant by that? Yeah, it's interesting um, because I've been reflecting, I think possibly from seeing your Instagram posts as much mm. as anything, talking about courage and the courage to be. And I think it kind of, you know, it, it impacts you at a subconscious level when you mm. see things like that and it starts to permeate your thoughts. And I think I've been reflecting on um, how, how much I feel as though I, I, I now have permission mm. to be myself much more than I, I think I did when I came out of the corporate world. I mm. felt 
very much like a a kind of I, mean, I was playing at having my own business yeah um and really kind of nervous to be putting myself out there on things like LinkedIn especially because I knew there were so many ex-colleagues on there mm-hmm. um and I think that's for for lots of different reasons which we, you know we can go into but really that that courage to be myself has come from two things I think one mm-hmm. it's really finding in the last year that I've made the shift to working with the clients that I really want to work with Mm. um, and doing that in my own way um, and not doing it in the way that I guess felt inauthentic when I'd kind of looked out there for advice on how to put myself out there and um, found all this kind of advice about massive amounts of content marketing and aggressive email um, Mm. funnels and all of those sort of things never felt great to me and Mm. um, I had a big breakthrough last year on on the retreat with the brand stylist and and suddenly kind of found this permission to um, to do things in my way and as soon as that came and I stepped into that space my business just flew and you know it's Mm. kind of tripled in size in the last year it's amazing it's very exciting yeah yeah but I love as you started that off the the word play yeah and I think that yeah. for me is also where the courage to comes in because you're kind of playing in the real world yeah right so yeah, definitely. it's not like in in corporate if you're launching products and to the degree of testing this is almost like testing but it comes back to your own personal reputation mm. how did you manage to play in a way that enabled you to move forward without feeling overwhelmed mm. um I did feel overwhelmed yeah. quite often. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did I play? It was, um, I had some coaching around this actually, um, very specifically, that every time that I was putting something out on, um, on LinkedIn or sometimes Facebook, although not as much because I, I pulled back from trying to operate on every channel, so mostly LinkedIn, but I felt as though my I could sort of see all my ex-corporate colleagues sat in a boardroom setting in the way that we used to be just without me in the room all kind of watching these LinkedIn videos or or reading my LinkedIn posts laughing somehow there was this kind of and I think it's because in that corporate setting um, whenever anybody went to do their own thing or set up on their own as a consultant or you know something along those lines it kind of meant to the rest of us that were left behind that they'd failed in mm. some way. It was never seen as, you know, that person had really taken a very brave leap or done something really courageous. It was seen as kind of, you know, oh, they, can't, they can't hack it in FMCG or they, get, they got fired or they can't find another job and they've set up as a consultant. And I just felt that were all these kind of people that I kind of left behind in corporate world but thought like that about me um and I felt that they were watching me every time I put something out there and so I got some coaching about that specifically Mm. and we isolated them and you know did a little bit of kind of NLP work around it basically and just kind of isolated them and put them very much to one side and it was only then that I started to really recognize the great amount of goodwill there actually was out Mm. there from my ex-corporate colleagues, um, the ones that I'd always gotten really well with and the ones that um, did respect what I'd done and, and actually 
have a few since have come to me for advice because they'd like to do something similar. And I think there's a lot more... I'm not saying that you and I were blazing a trail in any way in the last three years, but there's yeah. certainly a lot more people that want to do what yeah. we've done. Yeah. Um, and a lot more people that can see that way of combining it with motherhood rather than just mm. coming out of your corporate career to be a mum for six or seven years and then trying desperately to find your way back in. Mm. I think people are seeing, because there's more examples out there, that there's a way to, to combine yeah. it. So, yeah, it was, it was, for me, kind of taking those couple of people, putting them really to one side, mm. and then, you know, it's, it's that same old thing about really being thankful for certain things and finding mm. gratitude and, and focusing in on the positives really started to see that there was so much goodwill and positivity out there yeah. that I just wasn't seeing because I was focusing on these kind of death eater <laughs> type figures in my head. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? And it comes back like a few weeks ago, I interviewed Pat Lamb and he spoke about a similar principle and referred to, he honed in on the importance of focus. He said, mm. the re- I mean, he's in professional sports arena and he said, the reality is there is always people out there mm with a particular opinion that may not be most flattering or very positive. He's like, I can choose to focus on that. Yeah. Or I can choose to focus on the latter, those who, you know, have a more positive view. And yeah. and it, it's almost like this daily play with this is where mindset comes in, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does, <laughs> it does come down to these small things and, and who it is we focus on. Um and I think as as you talk about your transition from corporate into coaching. Mm you were extremely successful within corporate and set on the leadership team and um how do you go from from that to now being a somewhat beginner I'll bet mm, all your experience mm. comes with you but in a new arena what yeah. were some of the challenges that kind of came up for you in those early days oh gosh um oh, where do I start wow it was the challenges were myriad that it was incredibly different in terms of pace to begin with. So my background is in operations, as you know, um, as a supply chain director. And um, the, the, the kind of rhythm, I guess, of my work was, was get problem, fix problem, done, next problem. Mm. <clears throat> and starting out on my own, there were no problems. There, there was... There was opportunities and there was, you know, there was, I, I suppose I could sort of turn, okay, I've got no clients into a problem to be fixed, but there were, I didn't know the answers in the same way as I had done in, in previous roles. And I couldn't really turn to anybody else for those answers in the same way. So, you know, I, when in, in old world, when I got problems, you know, they, you could generally see that it was one of sort of four or five different reasons. And usually in that space in, in that supply chain space you were acting as a kind of conduit between different people to get a job fixed so you know it was either the customer that had ordered too much or the factory had produced too little or something yeah. had not happened on time or there was a miscommunication in terms of what somebody wanted and those were all things that could be fixed and okay there was a, a volume to that that meant that quite often it was overwhelming and there were too many problems to fix but it was such a different situation to find myself in that I actually, I didn't know the answers. And in a lot of cases, I didn't actually know the problems. Mm, <laughs> and, it was kind yeah. of, <laughs> um, and 
I think I'd also massively underestimated the um, the kind of the challenge at hand of establishing myself as a coach. So I I came out of corporate world. I'd, I'd trained at Henley. You know, I found the absolute best coaching course that I could mm. possibly find. Um, I'd been told that that was the case. I've been told by quite a few people, you know, if you want, if you want to be say, taken seriously as a coach, you have to have gone to Henley. Mm. Took them at their word. It's not actually true, I, I now know. <laughs> but, you know, I'm glad I did Henley. Play. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, that course was very much based on um, learning to be a great coach. There was no commercial advice whatsoever on how to set up a coaching practice. Um, and... Even the word in coaching practice, you know, we can't, I don't call it that now, but I did when I came out of Henley mm. um, because that, you know, that's how they sort of, that's the place that they come from. It's quite old fashioned in a way, I guess. Um, so I just, I, I had no idea really of, I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm. And I remember I was talking to somebody about this over the weekend. I remember um, doing my website and I said to the web designer, but we're going on holiday that week when it's going to go live. Who's going to take all the calls? <laughs> <laughs> she we was can like, laugh at that. "Won't be a problem, babe." <laughs> and I was like, "Why not?" You know, I imagine that the phone would be running off the hook, and I might need some sort of virtual awesome. assistant. <laughs> like, Everyone's rushing out to launch their websites. <laughs> and I actually, looking back on that, I can just—you know—I've mm. been in corporate world for twelve years. I knew the investment and the time it took to launch even a product mm. under a brand that was pre-existing. Why I thought that little old me <laughs> suddenly kind of going, hey world, I'm a coach, <laughs> would be this, you know, groundbreaking <laughs> new thing. I don't know. It was just crazy. And, you know, so there were other challenges, just the amount of coaches out there that I just didn't mm. know. That I, I thought I'd invented this new thing, coaching. Mm. <laughs> I thought that... Um, and finding so many people that were more established and better at it than me I you know I also there wasn't an arrogance I suppose there was an optimism coming out of of um the, that corporate world into coaching because I, I I I coached when I was in that corporate world that's why yeah. I kind of thought that I would be good at it in the, in the wide, wider world so there was that was a challenge um I always thought I would go back into FMCG and be a coach in that world did and you yeah. yeah that was a massive challenge as well realizing having gone back into a couple of FMCG businesses that I didn't actually want to be there so that was a another big thing was kind of I found myself a little bit bereft thinking well who do I want to coach then if mm. it's not who I thought um Another big challenge was the fact that I didn't actually want anybody to know I'd ever been a supply chain director. Really? <laughs> wow. Why? Because I've been to a hundred um, events and parties and things over the years, and you tell anybody that you're in supply chain, their eyes glaze over, and you can see they're looking for the, the, the nearest person <clears throat> or exit they can get to, because <clears throat> they're terrified you're going to talk to them about trucks and <laughs> <laughs> loads. <laughs> and excuse and, you know, and all that yeah. kind of thing and um I I always really felt that and I think I felt that kind of coming out and doing my own thing would would allow me to be one of the cool kids which I'd always kind of mm. wanted to be and so for ages I kind of I was terrified that anybody would find that out about me and, and the same coach that actually helped me with the kind of scepters of people I had previously worked with helped me unknit a lot of that as well 
it, just take yourself back to your corporate days and imagine you have the mindset that you have today. Mm. Do you think you would have handled things differently? Um, would it have been easier? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I went. I had the opportunity to go back actually. So mm. Danon, who I'd worked for, the sort of middle um, business I'd worked for in my career, they moved the offices from where I used to work in Trowbridge to Chiswick mm. and they were losing 80% of their team I think 30 out of 39 people in the team only only six were moving to Chiswick nice. um, and they knew I lived there um, so they, they called me up and asked if I would help with the transition help with setting the new team up in, um, in Chiswick and also helping with the recruitment and helping to kind of set up the team for success um, and that played into both my experience having worked in that team before, but also my coaching um, credentials, I guess, because it meant that I could really kind of tap into um, the organisational design and getting everybody set mm. up and, and, and really support everybody as, as they, they took shape as a, a, new, a new team. Um, and it was fascinating because I went in very much, and I guess quite naively thinking, well, I know so much more now that mm. things will be different or, you know, I've got such a different approach. And it's really interesting how quickly you get sucked back into that corporate culture. Mm. And actually, to answer your question, probably not in the way you would expect, but I, I don't think I would have... I, I might have tried to do things differently, but I don't think that it would have been necessarily possible to do that much that differently mm. because the corporate culture and the corporate way is so strong that to do your job and to sort of change, you know, be the change you want to see is almost, it's, it's too much. I would have, need to have needed to have been there from like six o'clock in the morning till 10 at night to mm. sort of be able to do my job and that. Um, what I did do, I guess, is I used... I took it as an opportunity to really coach in a line management setting. So I had a very senior team reporting into me all at kind of controller level. Um, and all of our one-to-ones were probably kind of 80% coaching, 20% transactional stuff. Mm. And I let them really have the benefit of me as a coach. Mm. And I used to get the feedback in one-to-ones and in kind of end of years that I was a bit too zen. <laughs> a bit too woo-woo. <laughs> I didn't kind of react um, violently enough to issues mm. that were happening. Um, and it was, it was interesting. It was that, it's the work I'd done on myself and the work that I'd done to retain some sort of sanity in that crazy corporate world mm-hmm. where everything was happening at a million miles an hour and I was being asked to go up to Asda for stand and deliver meetings at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon and all of that stuff that I used to, you know, I used to really react to and I'd be in the toilets crying and it'd be this massive, everything would be a massive big deal. And I never got the feedback that I was too zen then. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'd learned to be a coach. I'd learned to be more in control. I was teaching my team the same thing, you know, we just need to take each problem, we need to work out the elements of it, we need to fix as much as we can, we need to communicate really, 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 really well, we need to influence, we need to impact where we can, we need to make sure that we're thinking of things from a kind of never again point of view. And 
my team became Zen with me. <laughs> but then I used to get this feedback that we like no one thought the supply chain cared enough. So <laughs> Zen true. Zen was almost linked to lack of ambition or lack of yeah. urgency. Yeah, it was lack of it was it was lack of um yeah, lack of urgency. I think that was the thing, that it was kind of, you know, you guys aren't hopping and jumping up and down and emoting wildly everywhere that things mm. have gone wrong. And Yeah, that's because we're putting our energy into fixing things instead. Yeah, yeah it's fascinating. I, mm. I don't know. I think I would have spent a lot less time crying in the toilet <laughs> if I went back <laughs> knowing what I know now. And I certainly would have seen things for what they were you know, when those really torrid times for us at Wreckage and Kiza, when, I, oh God, I, I cried every day on the way home from work in those times. But I couldn't see it for what it was. I couldn't see that mm. we had a completely new management team that had never done that job before in a business that was tanking, quite frankly, in an economy that had just had the IMF arrive on, I think, the same plane as me, probably. It was the challenge was insurmountable and yet I took in my mind probably 90% of the responsibility for this insurmountable challenge and I you know I think coaching and and learning the techniques that I've learned now and and the techniques that I help people with is is all about perspective Mm. and being able to control the controllables and you know knowing what you can and can't do and uh, not being overwhelmed by the rest and I didn't know any of those things <laughs> yeah so that's interesting because if I like, even re- reflecting on corporate years so much of we of what we do is based on external validation whether that's mm. promotions mm. whether that's so then when things go wrong yeah um how do you now hold that perspective that mm. it's external not internal you know when I think that if you maybe t- talk us through as well how how maybe your yardstick for success or your definition of success has evolved mm. over the years, especially since moving into to coaching. Yeah, um, it's it's changed absolutely exceptionally, and, and like it's it's just a complete turnaround. My definition of success, and when we talked about you know. M- the breakthrough that I had last year on um, Fiona and Elizabeth's retreat, it was them asking me a very simple question, which is why I was doing what I was doing. Mm. And, you know, it's interesting that you've just talked about external validation because I think it's a culmination of kind of three things. It's, it's asking myself why I was doing what I was doing mm. and it's because I want to do the work that I love. Mm. Then I think on top of that, I realized that I was still looking for that external validation. Even though I'd done that mm-hmm. work to leave those kind of people behind that I thought were watching me and like laughing at my attempts to set up a coaching business, I was still trying to work with companies that they might have heard of or that mm. people might have heard of and that people might think, oh yeah, she's working with you know that amazing company she must be doing really well and it's not really about that it's about loving the work that I do it's about it's going back to that first question why am I doing what I'm doing and then thirdly it's it's looking at everything from a more holistic point of view so I I always waited for that point in time in my corporate career where it would suddenly become clear that it wasn't for me anymore 
Um, and it happened when I got married because not because I thought, oh, I've got a husband now. <laughs> <laughs> Off I go. <laughs> That's my career gone. It was more because I knew that I like very my my mum was appalled at this. That I wanted to get married to have children. She went, I didn't think I brought you up like that. I mean, like she's complete opposite of anybody else's mother. <laughs> Oh my god, how old-fashioned, Rebecca! I didn't bring you up to be think like that. It's but meant to be your mother that's <laughs> saying that, not you. <laughs> Should be the other way around. Um, so, but I knew that I was getting married to have children, mm. right? So, like, I'd been with Thomas for seven years, but six years by that point, we didn't need to get married. But I kind of I wanted to do that. It was important to me, and I couldn't see myself being able to do well in a corporate career and have children, mm. and. I saw, you know, coaching is when I sat and did the numbers, I remember sitting and and working out my numbers and thinking, well, if I charge what some of the coaches that I know charge, I'll only have to work for four hours a week. (laughs) Yeah, be Bruce. When you launch your website, you don't need to work out. (laughs) How naive I was. I don't understand how I could have been so naive. Like, it's just ridiculous. I think you are naive when you're trying to take too many things into account. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And in ways, I think naivety is almost a part of the process in that when we enter into any new venture, that naivety enables us to get started. If we, it's almost like, I guess, the classic saying, ignorance is bliss. But if we knew everything that lay ahead, perhaps there would be a reluctance um, to jump on board and to lean into this new venture. And I think, Rebecca, on that note as we talk about perhaps the grittier less comfortable aspects of launching your own business what has been the biggest thing that you've had to overcome to get to where you are today um imposter syndrome self-confidence um and a well <laughs> it's happening now. A complete hatred of being put on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but imposter syndrome, I think. Talk, can you talk to us about yeah, that? Yeah, because oh this is huge. Yeah, um, I have a lot of people now. It's so much more um, part of the vernacular now, isn't it? Imposter syndrome. Because mm. I have people sitting in front of me going, "Right, I've got imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> <Help> Medicate me." me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, who the, who the hell am I to coach anybody? Is uh, a lot of it. I've I've had to I've had to really come to terms with learning to work with people that are better than me mm. and learn from them. Um, there's a, a kind of oh, it's fascinating. The one thing that really helps with imposter syndrome is how many people are putting themselves right out there on social media these days because <laughs> mm. for me, there's a lot of coaches that are untrained, that are that, you know have very little experience, that see it as a way of like, earning a quick buck. Mm. There's, there's a huge seam of really quite kind of high, highwaymen <laughs> coaching mm. people out there who are willing to take bags full of money off people for 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 big promises that I know that they can't actually deliver and I signed up for a couple of these online programs just to see what um what the content was to try and understand how they could offer these you know these massive kind of deals to people and it yeah it's it's crazy so um that's helped with the imposter syndrome a bit because I've realized that I, you know, I do have a massively credible business background and I am very highly trained. So I think that's good. Yeah. But um, 
yeah, I mean, there's there's so many people out there doing so many amazing things. And actually, along with imposter syndrome comes this, I don't really know how to word it. It's a kind of, it's this sense of, of there's so many things I could do to to help myself to overcome that imposter syndrome to help my self-confidence to help put me on the map to to build my credibility mm. you know I, I could be out there doing public speaking I could be yeah. um I could start a campaign I could write a book I could um do some research projects there's, there's there's just a phenomenal amount of things that other people are doing really well um and yet I never seem to find the time or the energy to do that because I'm I'm just focusing on running a business which mm. is enough in itself and and I think it's as much about imposter syndrome as it is about kind of you know like um I look at these people that I really look up to and I just think how how do you do it how do you do it all how do you do the emails and the yeah yeah Yeah. it's fascinating um so that that's been another big thing to overcome to to try and keep the faith to try and keep going yeah in the vein that I'm going without sort of thinking about doing all of those different things to try and compete I'm inherently very competitive Mm. um and I think that's where it's it's competitive people that I think suffer with imposter syndrome the most Mm. or that lack of self-confidence because you can't win at everything Mm. and so when you don't win at everything or when you can't compete on every front that's when it knocks your confidence and it's yeah and it's, it's interesting because everybody's operating from a very different set of values, yeah. very different map. But when we go into that space of comparison, mm. we kind of for a momentarily forget our values yeah. and forget why we're not doing that yeah. particular thing. It really comes back to the courage to be, to your point, because yeah. you have to have the courage to not try and compete on all those fronts and, mm. and to almost compete with yourself and to... That, that's quite a big leap. That's quite a big mental leap to take mm. to say, okay, well, I'm not... Especially when you've been in corporate mm. and you are pitched against so many mm. of your colleagues and it's, it's done in a very open way because you do your annual review process and you, you know, you've got your, your score at the end of the year and then a certain amount of people get promoted. Not everybody. If you've been on a graduate scheme, you know, like half the people get to go up to the next level. Mm. It's, it's really really competitive and then the brands are competitive and then you're competing against your peers in as in the other kind of people that are in your same space and it's a very very competitive environment and to come out of that and into this world where you can pick and choose what you do actually Mm. it's yes that's that's been a big thing to overcome especially when there's gurus out there telling you how to write a book in six weeks and yeah and um how to launch an online course that's going to sell millions and all the things that you like, yeah. you could do. do. Do you feel like you have these, almost like these internal signals as to when you're going down a route of, like for me, I know it's like the internal dialogue or all of a sudden I'm like comparing more mm. than I usually do. Or mm. For you, yeah. what are your little internal checks to say, Rebecca, come, come back? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's fascinating actually because... Your question about kind of my client avatar, I I think I got pushed down a little bit of a, a route there that I shouldn't have gone down by a coach um, who did help me a lot with lots, lots of things, yeah. but didn't help on this front. And it's it's interesting as a coach to reflect on this because she 
she gave me the answer on this point and she shouldn't have done she should have probed me harder on where I really wanted to be because we got into the female entrepreneur space and it was only when I started to really question what she was putting out there on social media and on her feeds and the messaging that she was putting out there and I started to question it quite deeply and then started to really hate what she was putting out there that I, I suddenly started to question what was going on and it's it's quite a sort of visceral reaction for me that I suddenly start to question more um and I have to sort of tap into where those questions are coming from it's always coming from somewhere in my subconscious Mm. um and it did with that and I I suddenly realized that the female entrepreneur space was not where I needed to be and it it happened in the the sort of three or four months run-up at the start of last year just ahead of me going to the retreat and then the retreat I spent some time thinking about my ideal clients and it really galvanized me into I'm not I'm not just another female entrepreneur coach and although I do have a few of those clients I'm very picky about who I work with now in that space mm-hmm. and I've moved much more into working with small businesses who are in f- fast growth periods where they're shifting from being very much that sort of startup space into being a a longer term proposition mm. where they're taking on staff, bigger office and really thinking about leadership. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's that, it's that questioning the, yeah, questioning anything, questioning kind of, you know, the messaging that someone else is putting out there or, or questioning sometimes even my clients authenticity and what they're sort of saying Mm. to me and start to think is that quite right and I just get this sense of something's not right and I've learned to tap into it Mm. you know but and it's funny because it's another thing that links back to my old career because I used to say to my team if something doesn't feel right it's probably because it's not you need to look further Mm. when we were doing big forecasts for brands or you know the factory were telling us when things were going to happen or a customer had given us an answer that if it doesn't smell right if marketing or Audrey yeah, marketing, is a thousand cases yeah. of a skew that's never sold I'm going to try not to slag off marketing <laughs> most of my really good friends from my corporate world are in marketing it's really? funny, they, you know those tough times that we've been through have kind of you know brought us together and yet, um, actually, yeah, yeah as you think about the people that's probably the thing I miss the most you know you're working yeah. on a team of really smart and very ambitious people so that's quite contagious that's do, where do you get your fill of that today from you yay <laughs> <laughs> um I yeah I tried all the networks I I tried pulling together my own network in Chiswick I I tried doing online bloody Facebook groups hate them with a passion mm. the amount of bored people that are just talking absolute crap on facebook groups and the amount of people that are out there saying how to get engagement on facebook groups and then writing like what's your favorite kitchen utensil <laughs> that's that's how you get a great following by asking really banal questions <laughs> oh, that's this is ha- rebecca challenge the status quo <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is me questioning right so I'm spending loads yeah. of time in facebook groups and all of a yeah. sudden i'm like I'm bored. Why am I bored? Oh, because it's boring and they're talking mm. crap. And I came out away from that. And it's, yeah. Um, so where do I get that felt from? I have found a rich seam of people that are on my wavelength and I make mm. sure that I catch up with them regularly. Mm. Um, probably 50% of them are coaches. 
and the rest do other things um, in that space. Some of them are clients that I've just, mm. you know, built a really good relationship with and, and it continues into sort of long life and you end up being friends with people. Um, and then there's a couple of people I've met locally to me that are business owners. Mm. And then a couple of people from the retreat last year as well that I've okay, just stayed yeah. really firm friends with. Yeah, nice. That, you know, that was such a... I feel like I'm putting way too much weight on one thing, but it was well, it was life changing. It was like, this isn't an advert for the brand stylist retreat. But I really like that. Provide the website. <laughs> <laughs> it's been and gone for this year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely a big waypoint in my life. Yeah, it was, uh, it was what I needed at the time, and it's what I'd been looking for. And it just it's a horrible overused word but it just up leveled my thinking it made me realize how good I was and how how much time I was wasting with other things and people and groups that weren't all that good and I've been you know I've come away from that unafraid to be really good at what I do and mm-hmm. only want to spend time with people that are also really good at what they do and only want to work with clients that are really good at what they do because I'm not about fixing clients issues I'm not about, you know, people who aren't very good and wanting to hire a coach in to kind of solve their problems. I I'm, I'm want to work with people who just need that extra impetus or that level of clarity and certainty about what they want to do to take mm. themselves forward. And it's, yeah, all of that suddenly became very clear last year for me. This is fabulous. <laughs> I think that takes us nicely up <laughs> to the end. Rebecca, is there anything that you'd like to, I guess, the next six months? What's coming Ooh. up for you? Um, a lot of change personally mm-hmm. so it's uh, you know it just brings me back to how good my business really is mm-hmm. um, in terms of giving me what I need personally as well um, I, I'm really going to um, cash in I guess on the flexibility that it gives me because you know we're, we're going away for the summer and then my little boy starts school next year we're planning a house move in September there's just and my husband's got some surgery coming up so my business is going to have to sort of fit in around all of that Mm. um and then what I'm thinking is oh I would like to think a lot bigger about what I do and I'm thinking that I'd like to set up an L&D consultancy business so leadership and development development and start to build some of my own IP because the more I go into businesses and train you know their rising talent in um leadership skills the more i realize that i've got so much around that subject that i could develop into products basically to sell into businesses that are in those first sort of throes of starting to professionalize and starting to think about what leadership really means to them i just i want to bring it all together in a way (laughs) that's not just me as a coach going in and almost batting above my weight putting leadership development programs in that's what I feel like at the moment. Like I'm a coach <clears throat> delivering programs. What I'd like to be is a um, a consultancy delivering programs. So have with that more. collaborative approach or have a team of people yeah, have to team. provide that service. Yeah, and I've always wanted to team up. It's always been in my mind. I, you know, when I first started to realise that there were so many charlatans out there coaching, mm-hmm. I wanted to set up something, you know, called the, not called, but the good coaching practice where I found as many really great coaches as I could. Um, and brought them all together and kind of you know offered them out as a tried and tested credible verified gang of coaches that you could pick from but I've never I've never managed to do it because life happens you just had two kids you got married (laughs) set up a business business 
can't keep up with the amount of work I've got. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm thinking I'd like to do that. It's probably 18 months off though, not six months off. Okay. But I'd really, I'd really like to do that next. Well, let's and, uh, revisit it in 18 months time. Yeah. We'll hold you accountable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I want to be coached by you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure, Rebecca. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If there's something that you've heard in this episode that has resonated with you, or perhaps you think it could benefit someone else, then please do share this link or start the conversation. If you haven't done so already, click on the subscribe button in your listening app. And as always, I really value your feedback. So please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And for more information, full show notes, links and resources, you can pop over to my website, SineadMillard.com. See you next time back here on The Courage To Be.